Hey everybody, welcome. I am so excited for this good news interview. This is kind of a mentor of mine in the launching churches world. Uh, this is Mac Lake. He started Launch Network about four years ago and they launched about 150 churches, which is incredible. It blows my mind. I have, I have sat under him through classes. I've called him randomly. Uh, really good friend and someone that I, I'm just excited about being with. And then last year he started Multiply Group, which is all about uh, empowering leaders and churches to multiply and build their leadership. And then he's also the author of four books. Mac, did I, did I leave anything out? Is there any, any other stuff you're working on? No, we're good. We're good. Okay. <laughs> good to be with you, David. It's good to be with you. Where are you? What's the, uh, what's the state and where did you quarantine? Yeah, we are in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, is home, which is a great place to quarantine. Uh, the weather has been outstanding, so we've just been enjoying uh, enjoying being home and being off the road for, wow, the longest extent I've been off the road in 10 years. Wow. What I wanted to jump in right away, Mac, is you get to see lots of churches in lots of different places. What has been your most interesting observation throughout this time oh wow <clears throat> my most interesting observation is uh there are so many right. uh, probably watching those that are excited about innovating versus those who are like just can't wait to get back to business as usual yes, uh, yes. some thrive on innovation and some guys, you know, they thrive on consistency and, and they don't like the change. And so uh, th this has disrupted their world, all of our worlds in so many ways. So I think that's been interesting to watch people's uh, re reaction and watching how they lead in this time. Yeah, for sure. Especially right now, as everyone's figuring out, when can we get back together? Yeah. When can we be a church again? And then there's the other guys that were like, we never stopped being the church and they were innovative and they were doing, they were being the church. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a real dichotomy there between leadership. Yeah, and it scares me because I think there are some guys who are just gonna jump back into exactly what they were doing beforehand and, and miss a divine opportunity to reshape the culture of their church. Yeah. I, I think God has given us a gift, the opportunity to, to reshape the culture of the church. I, you know, I, early on, you know, I was telling churches, we have complained for years, myself included, we have complained and complained that our nation is a nation of churchgoers that are consumer-minded, right. spectator-minded. And now we have the oppor opportunity to redefine church for people and to, to, to change that culture and make it more participatory, um, to help them become contributors. But we've been preaching and preaching and preaching at them about not being consumers, but we still create these environments that are consumer oriented. Yeah. And so it's an opportunity to reset a little bit. And I couldn't agree more. It, it, it's, yeah, it's so funny that we were so trying to get people to be the church outside the walls and then when now we're like forced into it and everyone's like, I can't wait till we get back inside the walls. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are three things I told churches at the beginning. I said, three things you got to watch. Watch the level of engagement of your people. 
the engagement with your church as a whole. Watch the level of community that your people are having with each other and watch the, the level of serving because all three of those are at risk of going down at the beginning of the season and even right now. And if they go down, what it does, it gives us an indication. It's sort of like going to a doctor and getting a health check, you know? Oh. And, and if those are going down, then it indicates a problem that we've had this whole COVID-19 reveals deficiency in our discipleship processes. Yep. And so if you see engagement, community, and serving going down, it tells you something about the heart of your people because when, when, when the church start, stops gathering like that, they should still have the behaviors of church. If they don't, then it indicates that what we've been doing isn't producing transformation, it's just providing an experience. I could not agree more. By the way, Chris Lagerlof on Facebook is saying hi to you. <laughs> I miss you, man. Chris, I had I had 14 days scheduled in Orange County for a getaway and had to cancel it because of this. Yeah, Chris and John Blue, we, man. We those two. The whole month <laughs> when this thing's lifted. I miss California. Yeah, it's yeah. All right, let me ask you this, Multiply Group. So you've been quarantined, you know, you got all this going on. How have you been able to move it forward in the midst of all this? It was really interesting because I, I launched this uh, brand new ministry in October. Uh, it was going great. I mean, better start than I could have anticipated. Then this hit and everything was like, I'm, I'm on the phone with Delta canceling every day. Cancel, 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 you know, all the way through August, all my, all my trips, clients, everything. So I'm listening and everybody's talking pivot, 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 pivot. And I got the pivot panic. And so I started watching everybody else and I was influenced by their voices so much. I began to, I got, to, I was just literally stressed about the pivot panic. And uh, one morning I got up and I was reading Genesis uh, 26 and, and talked about Isaac. In the face of famine, he planted seed and, and God blessed it, you know, a hundredfold. And instead of hoarding, he planted. And so God whispered into my soul and said, Mac, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some money. Instead of hoarding it, I want you to invest it in something. And don't pivot, you know, don't try to refill your schedule with all those you know, clients that you lost, don't try to refill it with something else, you know, with other type of clients. He, he said, basically the word picture guy gave me was the, the wartime defense act. So how the president can call Ford Motor Company and say, hey, stop making cars and start making weapons. So what God said to me in that time was, okay, Mac, for a season, I want you to stop training churches and how to develop leaders. Take a break from that. Stop producing leaders for a while. And I want you to start making weapons for the war, for the discipleship war. So I've been hunkered down here in Charleston the past few weeks. I finished a book. Um, uh, we've created uh, three new training products. We're starting, uh, actually four new training products. Uh, and we've started on a, a, a fifth. And so uh, hopefully coming out of the season, the money we've invested is actually going to, it's given me time to produce these resources to help the church be more effective in making disciples. So I'm actually very excited about it. Can you, so this will be your fifth book, right? It'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll be the fifth book, yeah. <laughs> Can you tease us on what that's gonna be all about? Yeah, so um, so we've got uh, the multiplication effect teaches 
and that's through HarperCollins and Leadership Network. It teaches a church how to build out a framework so that they have an intentional approach for uh, discipling leaders in their church. And I'm actually kicking off a, a, a coaching group this summer uh, for churches under 500, teaching them this full process. Um, but then, so that teaches you the full process. But then uh, I started a series called the Discipling Leader Series. So there's leading others, eight competencies and character traits to teach the worship leaders, small group leaders, guest service leaders, student leaders, children's leaders, how to lead in their area of ministry. You don't use all eight. You, uh, there's a chart that tells you which ones you use with which ministry. And then uh, the next book is Leading Others. It's eight competency, I mean, five, uh, six competencies and character traits for that coach level, that leader of leaders level. Uh, the next book is going to be Leading Ministries, and it's going to be seven competencies for a staff member uh, that you can use to train your staff members how to lead an area of ministry. And then the final book in the series is How to Lead a Church. And so it'll be seven to seven to nine competencies on, on leading in the local church. Okay. So let me kind of, that, those are all probably going to be easy to sort of maneuver into this. How does the church really need to learn and grow because of this time in this next phase of what I think, I think ministry will be different. So how will it be different and what does the church need to learn by this time? Yeah, leadership development is crucial in this season. And what I'm seeing happen is there are churches who are saying, I, I talked to a church other day. They literally told me, yeah, we're taking a break from leadership development right now. Yeah, because they think it's a program and not DNA of your church. Oh my gosh. And I'm yeah. going, this season has the potential to reveal potential leaders unlike any other season. Crisis always causes people to step up and say, what do you need? How can I help? So we should be identifying more leaders in this season than the last season, right? Now, here's my fear. If we do identify them, but we, and we can identify twice as many, but if we don't develop them, we're going to dilute their influence. And so uh, what, what these, this series of books does, it, it, and, and I had a buddy call me, he said, hey, I'll, I'll take 40 of them. I said, I'm not going to sell you 40 of them. He said, well, give me 20. I said, I'm not going to sell you 20. He said, well, how many will you sell me? I said, three. He said, why? I said, because this is discipleship. I don't want you buying a bunch of these books and distributing them to a bunch of your leaders. That's nothing more than information dump. This is a discipleship process. Buy three books, get three, three people together and start discipling them through these character traits and these competencies. And that's going to be much more effective than giving 40 leaders in your church this book. And right. so uh, I think this season is key opportunity to begin to develop leaders because it's easy. I know everybody's got Zoom fatigue, but they won't once they start getting out and interacting and going to you know, stores and stuff. But, but now I can jump online. I can spend 30 minutes with a leader doing a, a, a discipleship session or a couple leaders doing a discipleship session, even at 8.30 at night when their kids right. are in it's funny I, I to say, yeah, Zoom fatigue. So I met with uh, three youth pastors on Monday, Tuesday, and this morning. And they all were like, yeah, the youth groups are all declining because the kids don't want to get back on Zoom. Uh, we just got to get back together. And I go, you know, Zoom is a tool. And it is a valuable tool that goes with all the other stuff you do. So don't forget Zoom when you come back together you have to use that new tool that's in your arsenal that's actually really, really powerful. 
Yeah. Because everybody's not. defenses against it are down now. Every, yeah. Talk to an 82 year old man who went to Sunday school on Zoom, you know? <laughs> who, right. would have, who would imagine that? You know? Yeah, I'm still doing five or six a day, so I, I'm sick of it too. But I understand how it's going to be a tool later when I'm also meeting with people. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to hug some necks, that's for sure, uh, and get back to some in-person stuff. But then yeah. this just affords the opportunity to meet with people unlike any other. I mean, it forced me to so you know figure out okay, how am I going to deliver? leadership pipeline training to churches virtually. Yeah. And I sat down process, figured it out. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So the change I think I hear you saying is the discipleship of one-on-one of -on -one needs to be uh, much more in the forefront. Is that kind of what you were saying? Well, I always say never do discipleship one-on-one, -on -one, do it one-on-two or one-on-three. Okay. Jesus so, you know, I always say for discipling leaders, pick a couple people and walk them through and move them up to that next level, the pipeline. Um, and, and this is a great season to do it because you can, I mean, in many places right now, you can gather two to three people. Yeah. Uh, even if you don't do it on Zoom, you can still, you know, come to somebody's house and say, hey, let's, let's work our way through this book together. And, yeah. I, so I think I hear you. So it's like, instead of focusing on the big show, the big group, the, the big event, this season has kind of afforded us this, this hopefully that we continue this new discipleship movement forward, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so there's a church I'm working with and, and uh, taking them through leadership pipeline and we're getting near the end of the process. They called me and they said, if we didn't have this in place, we'd be in trouble. I love what the pastor says. He, he started asking everybody, who's in your pen? Who's in your, who's in your sheet pen? All right. And so every staff has to answer that. And there can only be a certain number of people. And then below that, who's in their pen? Who's in their pen? So it's, it's the leadership pipeline, right? So we built out the pipeline before COVID hit. Now, when COVID hit, they had that crisis at the same time there was a tornado that just two weeks later tornado that just destroyed one of the little towns here man right? they called me they said amazing one of the leaders called me said or staff member said hey our coaches deploy our leaders and the leaders deployed their teams and i never even had to call do you, it, you have tornadoes in south carolina rarely but we do yeah oh my goodness so here's this church I'm working with. They've got this pipeline. Everybody has their pen of people, and they deploy quickly. That's so cool. We're at another church. I'm no, not working with them, but I was I was talking to them, and I was like, so, you know, how you handling this? What are you doing? Yeah, we divided up uh, our staff. We took every staff person, gave them a hundred names, and said call them every week. That tells me there's no pipeline there. And so staff members, pastors have to begin to think, how can we develop and deploy people in this season? But many of them are asking, okay, how can I be the solution to the problem? How can I touch more people in this season rather than how can I deploy more people in this season? What so, we do, David, is we, we raise people up to that, like that leader leaders level, yeah. and we give them administrative responsibility, but not spiritual authority and spiritual responsibility. And we gotta flip the switch on that. So I, I wanna reiterate that because hopefully if you're watching this, um, that was huge what you just said. 
because I have talked to a lot of churches that started doing phone calls and they think it's the greatest thing in the world because it's like we weren't really having that connection with our church, but they did it exactly how you said it. They hand their staff these long lists and then they would call all these people and the people on the other line of that phone was so thankful. So everyone's like, dude, this was amazing. But what you're saying is, man, what if you took it one more step and you had these these pens, sheet pens, if you will, but some kind of team that you're investing into, and then each of those are investing down into more of these pens. And all of a sudden now you're not only connecting with people, you're able to deploy them into ministry in such ways that that would have been even more incredible, right? So when you when you deploy your staff to do this for your people, you, you're giving the consumers a passy to suck on. <laughs> we'll just continue. Oh, thank you. Staff made me feel good. And it makes yep. the staff feel good because yep. they're not sure what to do in this season. And I'm not saying don't pastor people. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, you've got to pastor people. But pastor the key leaders under you and teach them to pastor the people under them. Yeah. No, that's so good. Greater it's, reach than you can have by yourself. See, this is why you, I just, I love talking to you. I, I feel like, um, yeah, just a kindred spirit there. Let me touch into one more area, and that is church planting. Do you think that's going to change because of this? <laughs> I, I do. I don't know how yet. Yeah. Well, I'm coaching a guy in Denver and he was supposed to uh, launch his church in September. And he, he in, in our last phone call, he said, I'm launching in June. <laughs> I said, talk to me. Yeah. He said, well, we just started doing these online gatherings, you know, because we were forced to, and, and people are showing up for this. So we're gonna launch virtually, and then eventually we'll launch physically, but we're gonna lean into this and see if we can take advantage of it. That's brilliant. That's yeah. so, so good. It's, it's that's so funny. That's the exact shift we're making. We're going, okay, there's a, such a power in this yeah. that you could totally create an entire group before you, before capital expenses. So instead of thinking buildings and stuff and what we're going to need to buy, start building up the group and then just do like service projects, special events, life groups, and start doing all that first before any capital expenses even go in. And so I think that's the shift. It doesn't even sound like a shift, but it is. Yeah, my, my biggest fear coming out of this is that, I, I, here's what I'm telling churches. In this season, we're gonna see uh, an acceleration of churches dying an acceleration of churches going into decline, an acceleration of addition, churches growing, what I hope we can see is an acceleration of multiplication. Well, what scares me is when we begin to ease back in, we're going to begin to applaud addition and totally ignore multiplication. And because there are churches that are gonna grow in this season. Now, I have a feeling a lot of it's gonna be transfer growth because People can visit three to four churches on a Sunday now. I've never been able yeah, to do that. that's really good. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's smart, yeah. And uh, I saw some survey that said that the percentage, uh, I forgot the percentage, but it was a large percentage of churchgoers that are attending on Sunday are not attending their own church. Yep. They're, they're, they're attending other churches. So there's going to be this shift. There's going to be a shift. 
So what I what I would what I hope to see is that churches who have begun to do these watch parties and stuff at home and all like begin to say, hey, is there a is there a church planter in our midst? Can we start a micro expression? Uh, can we start some house church? You know, it is it is the ideal time to do some research and development and not get shot for it. Yeah, people are going to be very much more grace oriented around change right now in this season than, than they normally would. So lean into it, experiment with some stuff. And uh, I, I'm hoping that uh, that some of these churches can go, hey, how can we leverage this for multiplication, not just addition? Yeah, that's really good. That's such a good observation because I'm watching 10 a week, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm popping into all these ones all around the country, but also yeah. in my city, I wanna see what everybody else is doing and I haven't had the opportunity. And I never even thought that, that so many are doing that and all of a sudden there's gonna be a shift of where people wanna go now. So yeah, you might grow or go down and die, but are you really thinking multiply and using this to launch something forward, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, that's good. Man, I appreciate this. Um, tell me about Multiply Group. How can people jump into what you're doing? Yeah, uh, multiplygroup.org. Um, and uh, I've got a leadership pipeline coaching group kicking off in June. It's for churches under 500. And um, I, I, I put the price there, a really low price point, because I want to, I wanna, and, and it's going to be a small group of 10. And, uh, and then I also have a leadership coaching group kicking off in June to teach. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a system I use for leading my team. It's eight interlocking components. And so uh, kicking off a summer intensive coaching group, small group, 10, ten people. Uh, and I'm just going to give them the entire system, all the tools that come with the system. Uh, so those are two upcoming opportunities in June. And they can get more uh, information on multiplygroup.org. Just check out the virtual groups under pipeline and leadership coaching. That's awesome. Um, I want to ask like how much and when, because I want to do it, but I'll, I'll go check the website because I think you're, you just want people to go check that out, right? <laughs> Seriously, made it low enough. I mean, $495 for 12 hours of coaching and all the tools and, uh, you know, just, and, and I love this type of thing. I want to keep it small so it's relational. Yeah. and get to know the people in the group and us get to know each other and really learn how to lead uh, lead forward in this time uh, using an intention. Most leaders are intuitive leaders. Yeah. Leadership intuition is really important, okay? But if you don't have an intentional system for leading, you're, the people you lead can get very frustrated because they don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. And it, it's like the quarterback having a huddle, then going up under center, and then 90% of the time, not using the play they called, but calling an audible. And a lot of leaders have that intuition. They're, they're constantly calling what feels like audibles. Makes sense to them, but the team doesn't, team doesn't know. What this does, it gives you a framework to lead so that your leading doesn't feel so into in, uh, uh, based on intuition, but wow. based on intentionality. But if, if you lead from intuition 10% of time, they don't care. They expect that, they want that. Right. But they need to understand most of the time why you're doing what you're doing and this system helps you. That's fantastic.